Welcome to a bonus episode of the Tucson History Podcast from 1030 The Voice. I'm Greg Garinger, and coming up next, farewell to the malls. For kids of the 70s and 80s, malls were everything. We'd actually get on the bus, the N22 bus I remember on Long Island, and go to Roosevelt Field Mall. It was like that next level of freedom and a kind of maturing as a teenager that we wouldn't have had if we were just riding around our bicycles, right? It was like the big boy, big girl thing to do because it was like a social sanctuary because it was something we did away from our parents. Going to the Tucson Mall was a big deal. You hang out with your friends, you scope out the guys, then you blow your money at Charlotte Russe. Those were great times. That was where the parents just dropped you off, let you go on your own. The mall represented freedom and independence and was a mecca for adolescence, decades before texting and social media. The popular Netflix series Stranger Things even built a huge set recreating the neon and pastel glory of the classic Reagan-era mall, complete with a period-precise gap Walden Books and Sam Goody. Ironically, it was constructed in a failing mall in suburban Atlanta that was built in 1984. Gwinnett Place Mall is one of scores of malls around the U.S. that are dying. It was a phenomenon witnessed here in Tucson with the once thriving Elkhorn Mall. By 2009, its days as an enclosed mall were done. Currently, it's found its niche as an outdoor power center, though many Tucsonans are nostalgic for the time when it ruled the old Pueblo shopping landscape. In 2020, with more and more consumers doing their shopping online and lightning-fast delivery with Amazon Prime, the question is, what does the future look like for Tucson's malls? How long till we say farewell to the malls? The American shopping mall's origins are rooted in the post-World War II economic boom. As suburbs sprawled well outside the downtowns of major cities, retail needed to follow the money. Throughout the late 40s and early 50s, shopping plazas with grocery stores, dry cleaners, hardware stores, and other local businesses went up in suburban areas everywhere. But the first climate-controlled enclosed mall featuring multiple anchor stores on the same property was Southdale Mall in Edina, Minnesota, just south of Minneapolis. Built in 1956, Southdale was designed to become a town square of sorts for characterless suburbia, a new communal meeting ground where men in suits and women in hats and gloves could gather and shop with their growing families in tow. Austrian immigrant and architect Victor Gruen modeled it after the great arcades of Europe, like those in his native Vienna. After the success of Southdale, there was an enclosed mall building boom nationwide, leading to the eventual decline of most American downtowns. They were perfect for harsh climates like the Twin Cities with its brutal winters, and they were inversely perfect for Sunbelt Cities with sizzling summers. In 1961, Christown Mall in Phoenix became Arizona's first indoor mall, and the largest west of the Mississippi at the time. Tucson had to make do with Elcon, an outdoor mall that opened the previous year in 1960. The developer Joseph Kivel decided the site next to the historic El Conquistador Hotel was the prime midtown location. Growth and expansion continued throughout the 60s, including the destruction of the hotel to make way for a larger location of Levy's department store that opened in 1969. And finally, in 1978, the entire facility was converted into an enclosed mall. By that time, Park Mall had already emerged three miles east, built by the same developer as Elkhorn. Park Mall was built on the site of Sears Park. The Sears store there opened as a standalone in 1965. Ten years later, in 1975, Park Mall opened as Tucson's first enclosed mall. 
Then, in 1982, Tucson Mall opened with two stories and over 100 stores. Also at that time, Foothills Mall opened, targeting a slightly more affluent clientele. By the mid-90s, its upscale mall mission was beginning to falter. By the turn of the century, its transition to an outlet mall was a success. But as Y2K approached, Elcon started experiencing decline. They responded by adding the 20-screen Century Theater in 1999. Park Mall went through a $100 million renovation a couple of years later, re-emerging as Park Place Mall. While back at Elcon, a failed food court opened, along with the Home Depot. And in 2005, Target opened with no mall access, like the Home Depot next door. The arrival of the 2010s saw the destruction of what was left of the enclosed mall, along with the opening of Walmart on the site of the former Levy's and Macy's. The only remnants of what was once Elcon Mall can be seen in the exterior of the management offices and the JCPenney location, which miraculously remains open. And at Ina and La Choya, Foothills Mall sits with its interior almost completely abandoned as it was dealt a fatal blow by the Tucson Premium Outlets that opened in 2016 off Twin Peaks Road. At first glance, Tucson Mall and Park Place seem healthy enough, but attrition continues inside as more and more tenants leave. Gap has been gone from Tucson Mall for over a year, and Banana Republic is closing. And at Park Place, Gap just shut down. Several other national chains have vacated both malls over the last two years, and the threat of Dillard's and Macy's closing at one or both malls looms large. Without dramatic changes, the lifespan of Tucson and Park Place is very limited. Perhaps they'll eventually follow the model of what is planned for Foothills Mall. The owners, FHM Properties, foresee massive changes over the coming years, including adding a hotel, multi-style residential options, offices, new retail and restaurants, a children's splash pad, and even a bowling alley. The hope is to turn the site into an attractive area in which people could live, work, and play. This type of planning has been referred to as an urban village and is viewed by many urban planners as the path toward the future. The idea behind it is to lessen reliance on vehicles and encourage biking and walking. And like the idealism of Victor Gruen in the mid-50s, to create a sense of place or community far away from the center of cities. Recent Tucson History podcast guest and former state representative and senator Steve Farley talked about urban villages when we interviewed him for our Where Are Our Freeways episode. What we really need to do, in my opinion, for urban development is that we need to really drill down on the on micro communities. So ultimately, we have urban villages connected by high-speed transit. So you can find everything you need, your job, your shopping, your home, in the area in which you're living instead of having to go all the way from one end of town to another to be able to get that. And that creates a much more sustainable community into the future. Time will tell if we see light rail or modern streetcar lines connecting to urban villages on the sites of Foothills, Tucson, or Park Place malls. But with the exception of some upscale malls like Scottsdale Fashion Square up north, which continues to be one of the most profitable in the country, there's no question that most of America's grand cathedrals of consumerism are in their final days. But We'll always have the memories. The brand new Star Court Mall. Families, friends, and of course, teenagers can come together to shop, hang out, dine, and enjoy. With retail options for every member of the family, including The Gap, Walden Books, and Sam Goody. Starcourt Mall has it all. 
This has been a bonus episode of the Tucson History Podcast. I'm Greg Geringer, your host. The Tucson History Podcast is a production of 1030 The Voice and Bustos Media. Always available wherever you get your podcasts or at kvoi.com.